What's up, everybody? We are back. It is Sunday, September 18th, 2016. Good to have you back. This episode is brought to you by The Edge Indoor Skate Park. And I just want to mention that the third annual New England AM is coming up November 5th and 6th at The Edge Indoor Skate Park in Taunton, Massachusetts. A um, couple highlights. The last two years, we had over 25 skate shops come. They brought three riders each and battled, battled it out like crazy. I saw some of the wildest skateboarding going down um, in the country, for real. And uh, we had the 14, under, 14 and under division, 15 and over division, hundreds of kids, and just like an epic day. So much gnarly skateboarding, so much energy, everyone feeding off each other. The last two years have been insane, and the third one's coming up. And uh, we got some cool stuff. We'll do the same divisions, but we're also adding a snowman, a snowman bowl jam, which will be sponsored by ProTech, which I'm really excited because that's going to be chaos, and that snowman bowl is epic. So that's going to be really fun to see. There'll be tons of uh, Instagram and all that stuff, and it's going to be live, man. Our judges the last two years, Westgate, Barley, Don Pierre, Pachinski, Santiago, all East Coast homegrown dudes came, showed up, showed support. Zared showed up, Zared Bassett, that was sick. Um, same this year. It's going to be live. So November 5th and 6th at the Edge Indoor Skate Park in Taunton, Massachusetts. Uh, we are always brought to you by All I Need Skateboards. Um, some highlights is our Thrive Prosper Rise just hit shops. So if you see um, one of our boards and you never tried one, please swoop one up. Give it a try. Let us know what you think. Leave some feedback uh, on our social media at All I Need Skate on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, yeah. And then... Last would be our guest today is the legendary Mark McKee. Um, yeah, this was amazing. Mark's cool as hell, and he's the original creator of one of the most iconic skate brands ever. What they created at World is something that's still unmatched. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy. Peace. I just love the skating and the scene. Rain, rain, go away. All I need is a skateboard today. Or today. Or today. This is the Shetler Show featuring professional skateboarder, podcaster, and All I Need Skate founder, Anthony Shetler. So everyone was, it was hot. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, they're looking for their dad's fucking metal skateboards in the garage. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You know, this thing. <laughs> Each episode brings you amazing discussions with interesting people from all walks of life. Kind of when skateboarding clicked for me and you learn some tricks or whatever and you get that appreciation from your peers, you know, the other skaters are like, holy shit, like, yeah, dude, that's rad. Admiration. Yeah, yeah the admiration or the, the affirmation. Real. Recognize real. If I didn't experience those crazy moments in my life, then these great moments would never be as great as they have been. Honestly, like for me, I just loved it. Like I saw those dudes, I saw those videos, and I was like, holy fuck, this is sick. Yeah. This is what I want to do. I have a bunch of stuff to talk about, but uh, my show is kind of all over the place. I like to jump around. I drink coffee and smoke weed while I p- podcast. <laughs> cool. <laughs> all right, cool. Are we at your? Are you at your house? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, where well, are you at? I'm in my like, it's like a garage, but we co- uh, converted it into like a podcast studio slash uh, gonna be a warehouse for skateboards and stuff like that soon. Yeah. But it, I'm at my. I'm at home as well. 
Okay. Okay, we're going to start off at the top. Um, I just wanted to know how you got into skateboarding. Um, I guess I, I mean, I got into it like when I was a really little kid. And then um, after a while, I got, I transitioned into BMX in the 80s. So I started out skating and doing bikes. But then, you know, it was the 80s and I got really into, into BMX uh, freestyle. Well, actually not really participating that much till really like in the last decade. Then I, I really tried to get back into it. Um, but yeah, long story. Did you ever watch the movie Rad? No, I did not. I mean, I may have seen parts of it, but it looked kind of cheesy to me. <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't really that into it. I never seen it either, but people that are that were into like BMXing and skateboarding always were like, that movie Rad's fucking sick. And I was like, eh, I never seen it, but... I mean, it, it hurts to even describe the one scene. <laughs> I won't even describe it, but people that have seen the movie will know that it's like the most embarrassing shit ever. <laughs> were you ever Were you ever good at like biking? Did you do jumps and spins and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I started out racing first. Sick. <laughs> and then then freestyle got really popular. And then I got into riding ramps. I had a half pipe in my backyard, which I also skated. <laughs> the fucked up thing was that my neighbor was like. You know, she's like an a old retired lady shut in, and uh, she was like, every time I skated the ramp, she would like complain about the noise. <laughs> oh, fuck. And, uh, and here's the thing that I wish I knew about back then is because like back then, like I was just like, you know, pumping the transition and doing kick turns and shit like that. And uh, the noise came from uh, when the wheels would go over the gaps in the masonite. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, do, 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 do. But the thing that I didn't know about back then, which I wish I... I, I wish I knew about was uh, you can lay the masonite sheets diagonally, so then the wheel rolls over it smoothly, like it doesn't gap, you know, fall into the gap. Yeah, that makes sense. If it's more flush that way. Yeah. Damn. Try stuff like dampen the sound, but I even moved the ramp to the other side of the backyard, away from the neighbor that was complaining. Um, but yeah, then I just ended up riding my bike on it because it was like really quiet. <laughs> How big was the ramp? Uh, it was, the transition was seven and a half feet, to, and then oh. it went to vert, or maybe it was almost eight feet. Gnarly. <laughs> Gnarly. Back then, uh, ramps were really narrow. It was only eight feet wide. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> That's sick, though. Did you ever have, like, uh, extensions or anything? No, I never really got that good. This is, like, probably in, like, 1984, and, like... Yeah, people would come over and skate the ramp, and then, then they'd, they'd always trip out, like, yeah, you're a BMXer, there's no coping on this ramp. <laughs> uh, it's probably still so fun, though. But seven feet with a bit of vert, it seems dangerous, not gonna lie. Yeah. All right, well, all right, my next thing was, how did you how did you get into drawing and art, or what turned you on to it? I... Uh, just being a kid, like, it seems like every kid starts out just, you know, wanting to draw, and I just kept up with it. I, I was able to, like, draw, like, represent, representational images, you know, like, from a young age, so. And my mom, she painted paintings, like, uh, she had, like, a lot of paintings, like, hung around the house that she did herself as a What hobby. kind of paintings? Um, she was Japanese. I, I'm actually ado adopted, but my mom was Japanese, and, uh. They're like traditional Japanese watercolor. No, not watercolor. I think they're done in oil. But they're like, you know, like 
bonsai tree looking things, you know, with like uh, bamboo and uh, cranes, <laughs> flying cranes. Is it ink? It's probably ink, huh? Like watery. I think I can uh, picture. Those paintings were actually oil. I think she painted in oil. Oh, sick. It looked like the canvas was like satin. That's pretty or, sick to be painting on satin. <laughs> Sounds kind of gangsta. <laughs> or at least it had that finish to it. I don't know if it truly really was satin, but it. So that, like, did that kind of get you interested in it? Because, like, I, when I was younger, I liked to draw, and I drew a little yeah. comic book and stuff, and it was so cool, but I never, like, thought I was good, or, like, I never had a moment where I was like, oh, this is something I could, like, really take to the next level. Level, it was just, like, scribbling, you know? Yeah, that's, I don't know, like, the first thing that I got, got into was drawing, you know, I just was really into it. What were the, what can you, like, did you start, like, um... Uh, cartoon characters stuff like that like where did you start or scratch the surface what was the first thing you drew that you were like this is sick uh this will date me a little bit but like the star star trek enterprise spaceship i remember <laughs> when i was like five years old and i was also into dinosaurs you know ah sick dinosaurs are the fucking best <laughs> what were you drawing were you drawing brontosaurus and stuff uh not so much brontosaurus more like uh tyrannosaurus rex Say. And uh, Triceratops. There was a, there used to be. Well, I'm, I don't. I haven't been in Disneyland in so long, but there used to be this uh, railroad that went around the train that went around the park. And it, the when the culmination of the ride was that you go through this tunnel, and then um, there'd be dioramas of like dinosaurs fighting each other. <laughs> so they had one. One of the scenes was that Tyrannosaurus Rex um, fighting. I think Stegosaurus. Damn, sick! An epic battle. That would be a really good battle for sure. Yeah, it was poised on the side of a cliff, as I recall. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> All right, so what about cartoons or animations? Were you into any of that stuff as a young kid? And if so, can you think of any? Oh, yeah. Like, th th that was like babysitting for kids back then. You'd come home from school, you know, you're like in first grade or something. <laughs> you get home at like three, and your parents are at work, and you just watch afternoon cartoons like, underdog yeah underdog was sick for sure with the cape and everything he was crushing it and then um of course warner brothers cartoons with bugs bunny and all this which we later did board graphics of yeah that stuff is epic i love all that stuff i i like uh nickelodeon like stuff they did with nickelodeon was really cool i like rugrats and like doug and fucking ren and stimpy you like ren and stimpy oh yeah that's definitely one of the best things nickelodeon did um all right, so we're drawing, we're BMXing, we're skateboarding. Did you get any fights? Um, yeah, on the losing end for that's for sure. Like, like I think like like I maybe have this natural compulsion to like you know seek approval from people. You know, that's that's a whole part of doing artwork. You know, you want like to get you know compliments and praise on your artwork and shit and try to impress people. And then at a very young age, though, I realized like that's not such a good thing to do. <laughs> and then. Um, I ended up moving up a grade. I went from a, I was I was in third grade for like a like a quarter of the school year, and then I went to fourth grade, and then I was seen as more of like a teacher's pet type kid. Well, <laughs> so you, I got, so um, you like Doogie Howser did a bit. You went up a grade. Yeah, I mean he's beyond anything I did, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking. <laughs> but yeah, then I then I realized like you know you shouldn't really try to like you know sit in the front row of the class like that's not that cool anymore <laughs> i think it's but, pretty cool yeah like i i fell for this trick one time it's like hey jim wants to see you in the bathroom and i'm like i go in the bathroom and like this is like when i was in when i first moved into fourth grade 
And I'm like, where's Jim? And he was in, hiding in one of the toilet stalls. Comes out and, uh, you know, it got ugly from there. <laughs> Motherfucker. What a dick. I once, I once started a gang because these guys were picking on this kid. And they are like, being mean to him. So, like, I just wanted to fight someone because I was in a bad mood and I was a little kid and angry. And uh, I saw them picking on this one kid. So I just, like, became his friend. And then I, like, rallied other people. And we, like, started a gang, like... To like protect him, <laughs> it's pretty sick. But we ended up being bullies. That was the shit part of it. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, like I thought about this a lot. Is like I think people that get picked on later on, they turn out to be bullies in a lot of cases, <laughs> or they'll they'll still be picked on, but then they'll bully like you know one step down the pecking order. Yeah, I think it's because you you like uh well I don't even know that just seems like it could happen easily though. Because maybe like you're you got picked on, someone was bullying you, being powerful. Then when you get the taste of the being powerful and bullying, it's like, oh, I get it. You're like, oh, it's fucked up. Yeah, it is fucked up. <laughs> Do you have any kids? Uh, no, I don't. Me neither. <laughs> nice to meet you again. <laughs> um, did you get in trouble? Did you ever get in trouble in school, or you were just like you were the teacher's pet for sure? Uh, no, no, I just started hanging out with a bad crowd at an early like you know probably. After I moved up a grade, and then I sort of found a bad crowd to hang out with, so that I wouldn't get picked on as much. Yeah, and that worked. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what about moving past that? Did you go off to college? Uh, well, yeah, I, I went to I moved. I was originally from Northern California, and then I moved down to go to UCLA. Moved down to LA. Yep. And then I, I guess the major is called design. Um, so I did that. Like I finished that in 1991. It was like. For a brief period of time, I was working at World Industries and still going to college, Whoa. like for a one and a half year time span. So that was kind of fun. How did that? How did World Industries come to be? Well, in in 1988, this guy had started a company called Bully Bikes, and uh, word got to him that I I could do illustrations, and so I did some T-shirts and stuff for for that company. And it just so happened that like this guy was like his name was R. L. Osborne, and he was like the top BMX rider uh, for trick riding in the eighties. So he had this pretty big house in Hermosa beach and it just so happened. He rented out some rooms to Rocco and Rodney Mullen. So they were living there with him. Damn, that's cr- Hold on. Two things before we go forward. One is it's ironic that the company's called bully and we were just <laughs> talking about bullies. And then two, it's kind of funny to think that Rocco and Mullen were, Living with a BMXer, like that, those two are tied together. Yeah, crazy. I think maybe Andy Jenkins was also living in that house too. It's like a four bedroom house. That's <laughs> yeah. sick. Is that where you met him? And that's when they're like senior art because you're drawing it for. Um, I'm sorry, what was his name again? The BMXer. Uh, RL Robert Lewis. RL Robert Lewis. Yeah, it's a sick name. Well, did they see the illustrations and start to talk to you and figure out? Yeah, yeah. That's that's when I um, first met Steve. They even had like. The bully warehouse and office was in this um, industrial park in uh, Redondo Beach, and uh, Rocco had the SMA office in the same uh, industrial park. That's cool. What was the first board you drew for World, or what was the first graphic? Was it a board graphic? Uh, yeah, it was um, Mike Valley's barnyard. Damn, that's a gnarly one to come out the gates as your first board for them. Yeah, I was pretty stoked to do it, so I spent a lot of I was you know I put a lot of work into it. <laughs> that's cool. So this time at World, like. How many years had World been going? When, like? Yeah, it's. I 
I think I got in there like the year into it. Like they had already been up and running for about a year. Like, there's one Jesse Martinez graphic where it's signed 1987, but I don't think that board came out till 88. That was done by this other artist called um, Doug Smith. But yeah, when I first hooked up with Rocco and started doing graphics there, it was uh, 1989. Damn, and this is like small time. This is like just out of your out of your friend's house, basically. They're doing. They started out of this BMXer's house. That's all you need, really. <laughs> yeah, it was like five employees. And then Rocco's practice at that time was only hiring girls. So, like, there was even a girl driving the steak bed truck, you know, to enforce <laughs> the screeners. Well, there was one girl that worked there. Her name was Anita, and she was sponsored by Powell. Like, she was a skater. Sick. Yeah, Anita Tessenson. That's rad. Well, that's cool. Hooked her up. Some work. <laughs> was, that the, was that the first time you were ever paid for your art? So you first started, was it mostly pro rider graphics you were doing, or were you doing um, characters and logo boards, and wh- where'd you progress from that first board? Yeah, it was only rider, like pro model boards, until all the Devilman stuff went down, like after 96. Like, I think World was like, yeah, we only made pro, pro model boards, like every board was like for pro rider. Sick. So moving forward from there, what were some of the highlights uh, of pro model boards that you still have in your collection? Do you have a collection? Yeah, I do, and I'm slowly trying to sell the collection because like, it's not really doing anybody any good just being boxed up in my garage. So I've sold a lot of stuff over the past two years, but I'm going to keep up with that. Yeah, but yeah I basically kept trying to keep like one of each board since our early start. Well, that's gnarly. You you have, like, what people dream about. Yeah, I mean, there's some boards that I'm not going to sell. They're, they're at the Globe office in, uh, like, one of the offices down there, like, just on the wall. So I'm not going to sell those. And then I made, like, the mistake of, like, sending out this list of boards that I had in my collection, you know, to prospective um, collectors. <laughs> and uh, I included those boards, and then I wrote, those aren't for sale, but those are the most wanted boards. <laughs> <laughs> You're just making everyone mad, Mark. Yeah. I realized that, but anyway. <laughs> What's the craziest thing that you've ever drawn and that someone bought? Well, I guess I'd have to say, like, Nautis's board with, like, the devil theme on it. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't sell, I still have mine. I keep holding on to it, but I think, like, when Suffer's on eBay, like, that was, like, one of the boards that, like, went for, like, a ridiculous amount of money. Damn. So, yeah. Never. Yeah, that's a wild one. <laughs> People are into that. But not really collectible. Yeah, true, true. Um, okay, I want to I wanna kind of touch on, uh, who are the characters in, coming in and out of world at this time? Like, who, who are the pros that you were, like, dealing with and meeting with? Jason Lee, for sure, right? Yeah, yeah, um, he had first skated for World, I think, and then he moved to Blind, because, you know, Mark wanted him on Blind. 
and uh, Guy and Rudy and uh, Jeremy Klein on Chapman. Damn, so heavy. Yeah, like, that was one of the things that, like, deterred me from getting back into skateboarding. Like, I really was so intimidated. Like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, Gons is out there skating in the parking lot with Guy, and Rodney's skating in the warehouse. <laughs> No fucking pressure. Get out there, bro. No. <laughs> yeah, I'll just stay inside and draw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay, we're going to move along to uh, the creation of Flame Boy and Wet Willy in Devilman. Which came first? Devilman came first. <laughs> that was the original logo, right? With Devilman with World Industries. Yeah. How did they come to be? That was at a time when, like, Steve was really just more focused on, I think, like, action shoes, or maybe Duff's was big at the time, Duff shoes. And boards weren't selling as, as well as they, they used to be selling. <laughs> um, and so I just came up with that. The first I came up with the Devil Man guy, and then Steve saw that. He's like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, but superheroes need a sidekick. So then, <laughs> so then uh, Flame Boy came into the picture. Nice. And then um, this guy JT was our art director at the time. Uh, JT from Alva. Like, you know, if you're from the old school, you'll recognize the name yes 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 um so anyway yeah he's like he's like looking at flame boy and he's like you know you should make a flame boy is like a fire thing you should make a he's shaped it's like a water droplet you should make a water droplet yeah i love this i love this um stage of world industries because those guys that were skating the pros before like um I liked all their skating and stuff, but when I first got into skating, it was the artwork, like the the drawings and stuff on the boards. I remember flipping through magazines and like when CCS used to have the magazines too. Remember, you just flip through and you're just looking at the artwork. Like I, when I was so little, I wasn't even looking at pro names, you know. And I remember I was such a huge fan, fan of Flame Boy, What Willie, and uh, Devil Man. Kids got into skating. <laughs> I used to like rationalize it that way, like. Okay, so it's, like, pretty kiddie and all that, but at least it's, like, getting, like, younger kids interested in skateboarding. Yeah, that, that, and it was kind of risky, dude. It was definitely risky. Like, did you ever feel like there was any lash, uh, backlash from parents or anything about any of the graphics as far as, like, satanic stuff? Yeah, definitely. Like, well, the first product launch with, with the characters, <laughs> we put, like, a little um, religious tract, uh, like an eight-page brochure, and with all the boards and at the end of the it was like a comic strip because I had seen like the, the R. Crumb movie like the year before I was like I really want to make a comic strip so we made a comic strip and it said uh, let's make a deal on the cover yeah it was in Thrasher right? yeah it was also an ad in Thrasher and uh, you know the, the conclusion of the ad is saying sell your soul to world industries so we collected like over a thousand souls and then in exchange we mailed out free t-shirts to everybody alright is it safe to say you're not religious? Yes. <laughs> it's safe to say that. Yeah, yeah. You feel like you were making different art than other people at that time? I guess so, yeah, because, I mean, it was different, the cartoon characters. I love that there's a, the spy versus spy aspect of Flame Boy and Wet Willie. Was that something that you just wanted to have them do battle? Yeah, it's sort of like, I think even one logo was like the yin-yang, you know, kung fu or whatever it was logo, where each character's in one half of the circle. So, yeah, that's... Definitely like opposites and conflict. Yeah, it's sick. I don't think there's been a brand like that that's ever had characters like that, um, even to this day. I still feel like what you guys built with World is like a very unique thing. 
And I look at all the pros that were involved and, like, how much people love the brand and, like, remember it. Like, I feel like you guys built something pretty unique. Safe to say? Yeah, I just got extremely lucky with that. <laughs> Dude, was it was it actually crazy as people talk about? Like, they talk about the days of the Rocco and all the wildness and stuff. Was it like that, or was that just, like, once in a while? Or was it just chaos and madness and just going for it? Yeah, like, I'd like to give you some examples, but I can't really think right now, but, yeah, it, it definitely, like, I don't know, like, I get a sense, like, when I talk to, like, my friend Sean, that I also did graphics with, like, it's kind of like the work situation back then really ruined us <laughs> forever being able to have, like, a normal job. <laughs> Going from there to, like, a 9-to-5 job behind a desk where there's a boss and, like, it sounds like it was free-for-all. Free yeah. It was encouraged. <laughs> Is it, do you think it was distinctly this, those guys? Or was it just that, like, because you're in skating? Like, skating. that's... Cause it's, cause, like, an attitude where it's, like, you know, you're defying authority. Like, you're doing your own thing. <laughs> and, you know, don't take no for an answer. You're, what are you doing nowadays? You're, are you Are you working at Dwindle? Yeah, like right now I'm working on a series for Darkstar. Like I kind of go um, alternate between brands there. Like I've done stuff recently more for Cliché, almost. Sick. So you're pretty busy with creating. That's awesome. Regular schedule going to the office every day. <laughs> you have an office? Yeah. So you're just chilling it? It's just like a full-time job kind of, it's not like world. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot different, but like... Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe at this stage of my life, that's what I need, just a regular routine day to day. How old were you when you first got with World? Um, 21, I think. How long long were you with World? Like, did you see it change? Because World hit, like, this peak, right? It was a massive brand. It hit a peak. Were you there for that transition? Oh, yeah, that was crazy. Like, we had, World had a separate office in Huntington Beach. Then I was still doing stuff for Blind at the old Wendell office. So I'd have, like, two offices, you know, working at World, like, three days a week and working at Blind for two days a week. And this was, like, around um, maybe 1999. And then 2001, I think, was the biggest year for World. Yeah. And then uh, it sold in 2002. And what was what was popular then? Was that the characters? Yeah, yeah, that was the peak of their popu- popularity, I guess, the characters. Did you ever have any downtime from drawing? No, I, I find it hard to take a vacation. I pretty much have to be working all the time. I mean, I take, you know, I don't work like more than any abnormal amount. But I was going to say, like, I think we made the mistake at World, like after two thousand and two, of like changing the distribution, and I think that's what kind of killed it when we just started selling World to like Big Five and sporting goods stores. Yeah, when it went to like a, uh, those mass appeal, those main chain stores, that's when it kind of lost it, you're saying? I would say so, because that's when like, like once you lose like um, the support of skate shops, <laughs> um, you know, you're not thought of, you're, the opinion of your company isn't, isn't going to last that long skateboarding, I don't think. Yeah, it would make sense because... Uh, the people, if you grow out of like um, core skateboarding, the shops are what kind of builds you up, you know, and that's like uh, that's your roots, right? Yeah. 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 It's weird because it's like uh, I think about life cycles of brands and stuff, and it's crazy. Only so many brands make it so far. You've worked with some pretty pretty big brands that have had long runs. Yeah, I, can't, I, n- 
never really would have imagined that I'd have the same job, you know, as I did, like, this long. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's awesome. Someone's got to do it, Mark. I'm hyped it too. Alright, I'm going to go to my list and cross some stuff off so we can move forward. Oh, I wanted to talk about Wet Willy. Did he cost six figures? Was there something that happened with Wet Willy? Yeah, how did you uh, hear about that? Because I don't think it's really been out there that much. I, I did some research. I was digging deep in the black web. Or the dark web? Is, yeah. What is it? <laughs> what happened with that? Yeah, I mean, I, like, I don't know. The, re- the reason why this is kept on the DL, I think, at least from world standpoint, back in the day, was like, I think this would really upset skaters. <laughs> that we paid so much money... <laughs> buy the rights to the character, you know, when, you know, you could be, go to a pro instead. Yeah. But it was that company at the time. Like, what happened was, like, I tra- we trademarked Wet Willie in 1996, or maybe we copyrighted it or something like that. But then there was another company um, that had the trademark to the name Wet Willie um, a year earlier. And it was a similar graphic. That's what it was, right? Yeah, exactly the well, it didn't look exactly the same, but it was a water drop <laughs> named Wet Willie. <laughs> and uh, so he got a fucking cease and desist letter or, and turned into like a, maybe even a lawsuit. And uh, like this other company was called Wet Products. Yeah. You know, they had that mascot that looked like a water droplet. And uh, they made like, I don't know, like inner tubes and, you know, like floatables and stuff like that for kids. And so- it was called Wet Products. That was their mascot. That's so it. We're like, oh, shit. So I just, like, signed an affidavit saying, I, I have, like, as an artist, I never saw that character before, but still, we were on the hook. So, there was an out-of-court settlement, I think, for, like, $400,000. Holy shit. So paid, basically, and then the, the company, Wet Products, I think, was owned by this guy, and he, his son was Willie. <laughs> so, that was Wet Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. So, Son became a, a truck son baby after that, I guess. <laughs> it's, it just adds to the legacy of Wet Willie, dude. Everyone always wonders where Wet Willie is. Po- I post stuff about <laughs> Fl- I post stuff about Flame Boy, and people are hyped. They're like, "Yeah, Flame Boy, fuck yeah!" But there's always that crowd of people that's like, "Where's Wet Willie? Poor Wet Willie. Poor Wet Willie." <laughs> but aren't you gonna eventually? I mean, world still can use Wet Willie because since we did the payout, so you guys still use them i think yeah yeah ex- exactly yeah totally that's what's pretty epic it just adds to the legacy i'm like that's kind of crazy that i like the wet willy when he's like the gangster that one uh so sick it just adds to it six figures <laughs> it's so funny yeah exactly um they're like the notorious big wet willy that i saw one like that too i was like that's pretty sick yeah i get a lot of uh, ideas from the sales guys in, in the sales department, so that was that was this one of the sales guy's idea. He's like, Will Smith has a son, Big Willie style, so make him into a rapper. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, that's sick. That's a smart move because they're gonna sell it. So if they're a part of it, that's pretty epic. <laughs> cool. Well, I was like really here that the song Big Willie style was partially written by Nas. Really? Because I like that song, but I'm like, how can I like a Will Smith song? <laughs> <laughs> It's, I laugh because I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Nas is the best, though, that's why. And it would make sense. Yeah. Godson. Favorite Nas album. Do you have one? Illmatic. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what, else, what else do you like for hip-hop? Um, 
early Outcast. Ooh, AT Aliens. Yeah. So good. That one I on repeat all the time. Well, I go in phases. Any other hip hop artists? What about other genres of music? Oh uh, well, you know I'm from the '80s, so metal and then uh, you know classic rock, all the basics. Nice. What about metal? I'm not really into metal that much. All my homies are in the Sabbath and all the gnarliness. I like it when it comes on, but I never put it on. Yeah, yeah, I'm into that. Do you have a favorite? Maybe Sabbath, yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Fair. Um, okay, moving forward. Wet Willie's crossed off. Six figures. He's balling out of control. I think it's worth it. You can't break the, the duo up. For real. Yeah, we even had an ad to show them that we were, like, gonna kill off Wet Willie. <laughs> so you better offer us, like, an amount <laughs> to, uh, you know, settle out of court. So the ad was, like, with the flame boy about to, like, chop Wet Willie in half. That's so sick. Do you mind me asking if you smoke weed? Uh, no, I don't mind at all. Um, I used to, but not anymore. Oh, weird. Because I smoke a lot of weed, and I really like cartoons, and I feel like I'm out here on a ledge here, but it's good to know you used to smoke weed. <laughs> yeah, until it started making me too paranoid. Yeah, I could see that happening. Sometimes I have to cut myself down, go a few days, get relax a little bit. Yeah, we used to smoke weed at World in the uh, dark room. <laughs> nice, while you're working? Yeah, but then pretty much work would stop after that. <laughs> yeah, we'd be working up to that point, and then no work would get done after that. Although, no, some, some people could continue functioning, but not, not me so much. Yeah, sometimes you need that, though. You need to have that, like, uh, ridiculousness, and that way when you come back, you're ready to work again. Yeah, or, like, you know, a long time ago, it used to really help me focus when I, when I was, like, fine with it. But I don't know, then, I don't know, chemicals change in your body or something. I don't know. All right, so I also know you worked at, you were working with Hustler. How, how did that unfold? Um, yeah, I was doing freelance illustration for them, and the way that happened was, I was in an art show in the early 90s, and there was another artist in the art show that was already doing stuff for Hustler, his name was, um, well, I don't know his real name, but he went by the Piz, that's like how he would sign his artwork. Nice. And, uh, so he was there at the art show with the editor of Hustler, and he somehow got in touch with me, and then he hooked me up with them. And one thing I could say about Hustler is they used to pay really promptly. <laughs> nice. You know, like, you wouldn't have, so a lot of times when you do freelance work, you have to wait a long time to get paid, but they would be, they'd pay like even before the magazine came out. It's because they probably had a lot of money at that time, and they were crushing it. Yeah, this is like the early 90s or mid-90s before the internet destroyed pornography. <laughs> the porn industry probably is completely transformed by then. It trips me out, dude, um... That people pay for porn. It's free on the internet, everywhere. I can't believe that there's still, like, that shit going on. Yeah. Damn, the graphics are pretty gnarly that you drew. Jeff pulled them up right here off to the side. You got some Santa Claus. <laughs> Did they give you criteria? Yeah, yeah they, would, they would write all the um, descriptions of what they wanted. So, like, I, <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of trying to shift responsibility about that a little bit to them. Like, I would just get these, you know, I don't know, just synopsises or whatever like of what they wanted yeah okay what about the what about your drawing with the gun the little kid and the parents and the like did you realize you're drawing something that was going to get like people's attention yeah definitely and it, actually it didn't really seem like it was that big of a problem as it is now <laughs> with uh like you know, kids accidentally killing their brothers and sisters 
yeah. yeah, that was still back then, and that was great that Guy uh, used for his work, because you know, he's definitely one of the best skaters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that one seems pretty gnarly. I wonder if you knew you were pushing, pushing the boundaries or not. Yeah, I was trying to. <laughs> probably, things probably look a little tame nowadays, though, with everything that's gone on, but maybe back then... Yeah, I think it still holds up. <laughs> what about the one with the girl and the spread legs? Go back to that one real quick. The Randy Colvin. Yeah. Yeah, that was just basically me copying a center a penthouse centerfold. And no one no one was like, Hey, don't make this, it's not gonna sell. Everyone was like, Yeah, all this shit's gonna be gold. Well, that's the thing, I don't think we really made that that many boards. Like I never kept track of like what our sales were back then. Um, and like that kind of board I think like a lot of shops kept it in the back like they didn't put it on display <laughs> obviously <laughs> and i think a lot of them maybe survived it. it's like collectibles that way because they didn't get sold but maybe not a whole lot all right moving along moving along do you do, you do anything um besides draw do you have any weird hobbies um well the thing that's kind of taken over my life now is i'm trying to learn guitar <laughs> sick and like i not really doing as much active things as I used to. Like, used to, I was really into snowboarding for a while. I mean, I still am, but not as much as before. And surfing, not as much as before. But guitar. Yeah, I picked it up about ten years ago. It's really fun. <laughs> Can you actually play like full song? I mean, ten years, I imagine. Can you play like full songs and everything? Yeah, it's. it's I don't know. It seems like I have like all these songs I've tried to learn like only halfway through. <laughs> Sick. But, but yeah. It's, have you ever written a song and like played it out? No, that is, I, I don't know how people do that. <laughs> I've tried, but like coming up with words, I guess like speaking is difficult enough for me, but yeah, coming up with words to a song, I don't know how people do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm equally as impressed by it. That's kind of like, I'm, I feel the same way about people that can draw. I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> I'm very impressed. Have you ever entered a contest, BMX or skateboarding? Uh, not skateboarding. <laughs> um, yeah, BMX would do that kind of thing. Did you ever win any trophies? In like the beginner class, you know, like the you're the novice, you know, not not anything advanced at all. Do you still have them? Don't lie, bro. Yeah, I have one. Like actually, it was the second ever uh, half pipe contest that they had for bikes. Nice. And like you know, the skater Joe Lopes. The, you know, like the barbecue man graphic, I think. But anyway, yeah, he'd rent out his ramp to the BMXers, and so I went to the second contest at his place in 84. Sick. That's awesome. Congrats. Are you into Olympics at all? Um, I used to be. I didn't really catch the Olympics this year. Do you feel any way about the skateboard, about skateboarding being a part of it? Uh, I, I don't know. Do you feel any way about it? <laughs> um... I don't know, dude. I'm so conflicted. At some, sometimes I'm like, I don't even think it matters. I'm like, it should, like, if it goes to the Olympics, it'll be about points and structure and, like, I'm sure there'll be coaches and a bunch of people that have, like, other interests besides shredding on their mind. You know, it'll become this whole, it'll become this whole thing, this whole, like, um, like, basketball and football and, like, there'll be rules. It'll be the opposite of what skating is. But to me, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't mind that. I hope that exists, because then it'll kind of, sh- like, because I don't care. I want everyone to skateboard. If a jock wants to skateboard, let him fucking skateboard. And if he wants points and rules and whatever, like, 
if that's what he wants to do with it. But to me, I'm like, eh, the sooner, once it hits the Olympics, to me, I think it, it shows, like, um, it widens the gap so you can see, you know, different perspectives. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, like, industry-wise, money-wise, any of that bullshit, but just, like, skater-to-skater-wise, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I wouldn't fault anyone that wants to participate. I mean, if you don't, if you're not into it, like, you're not going to participate in, in it, so... I feel like it's only going to be every four years, too, so it's like, there might be, like, hype that year for the Olympics, like, where everyone that might not be, like, a lifer, but just, like, a a tourist skateboarder just, like, checking it out, and every four years there might be, like, people are hyped on it, and then, you know, the rest of those years, it's like, you know, you're into making videos and drawing art and doing sick stuff, like, skate culture stuff. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, like, what somebody should do is, like, together some epic documentary on skateboarding that would like come out in 2020 to coincide with the olympics to like kind of show what the rest of skateboarding is about wow <laughs> you know, like, we'll be seeing skating for the first time with the olympics yeah yeah that's that's a really fucking good idea mark <laughs> somebody should yeah it's just got to be like the complete polar opposite just so it's like fucking polarizing they're like wait these guys are Olympians, but these guys, like Andy Roy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of sick. Who would make that? Who do we got to call? Oh, Patrick O'Dell. Yes, epically later. You nailed it, Mark. You've had some thoughts about this, haven't you? A few thoughts, yeah. <laughs> cool. Are there any, um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Are there any um, artists that you, like, you are inspired by? Oh, yeah, Pasted, for sure. Sick. Um, like, used to get Thrasher, and he'd have illustrations in there. Like, he did illustrations for this record company called Rough Trade. Copied one of those. And then, you know, Jim Phillips and uh, VCJ from Powell. Yeah, those guys are all legends. It's all legendary stuff. Yeah. Are there any artists that you, you're just, like, finding out about nowadays? Uh, yeah, constantly because of the internet. Like, <laughs> that's what's kind of, like overwhelming about the internet is like you can find out about like the name of an artist and then go to their website and see their lifetime work you know like like on a daily basis do you have a website and all that yeah i was pretty stoked i was able to get my name on instagram um at mark mckee so and then i set up a new website with my name too which was it was unavailable i don't know who had it up till this point but like about a month ago it became, became available so i set up a new website right Last thing before we go, is there anything that you you want to draw or like a project that you want to do that you haven't done yet? I don't know. I, I want to get back into painting, like doing real paintings like I used to, but I don't know, it's so hard. <laughs> but yeah, just in general, get off the computer a little bit for doing graphics and do stuff the old way. Yeah, do you, you're going to send me down a rabbit hole, but do you like Bob Ross? you ever seen Bob Ross before? Yeah, I have, but I, I don't know, i got to watch him again because it just seems like he doesn't easily you know like i don't know how he how he can paint a painting like in one hour session <laughs> yeah he talks about that a lot he's talked about how he used to be like a tradition a traditional painter and it would take him forever yeah. and then he got that show and he's doing a painting like in 45 minutes so i don't know how he does it <laughs> yeah i've watched like i've od'd on bob ross um a little weird fact about me is I've watched every episode, <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> I can't paint, though, Mark. I haven't tried yet. I'm too scared. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. 
he killed it, though. I really, What I like about Bob Ross, obviously his painting is so sick and he does make it look magical, but I always am stoked because he, um, he owned his own stuff. It was like Bob Ross, Inc. I saw it at the end of one of his shows and I was like, wait, I gotta look into this. And then I looked into it. He made like $15 million off of teaching ha- people how to paint. Pretty crazy. Yeah. I think he might... I saw something on that he didn't have naturally curly hair. Really? Really? Bullshit. Really? Look this up. Are you just trying to pick on me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess pro popular at one point. That's sick. Well, it's sick. On his show, he has his son come out, actually. It's pretty rad. He passed painting on to his son, which I think is pretty epic as well. That's yeah, like Jim Phillips. Dude, that's not him. Yeah, like Jim Phillips. That's sick. Here's what Bob Ross looked like with... That's bullshit. You think that's him? I have no idea. He just looks like a normal guy. He's like he. I think he's like Jesus Christ with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? No way. Fuck yeah, Mark. Um, thank you, man. I'm gonna put all the show show notes, like all the links to your website and to Instagram, um, so people can check out all your work, man. You're definitely um, a legendary dude within uh, the art and skateboard community. I don't know about BMX, but I'm sure you are there too. Uh, one last thing before you guys go. I just want to thank the sponsors one more time. Thank you to World Industries. Uh, check everything out at worldindustries.com. Uh, if you go to the online store, they have tons of apparel up right now. We got our Flame Boy Lives collection up there. And uh, if you cop anything from the store, it, a portion of that goes to directly supporting this podcast, which is much appreciated. Also, thank you to the Edge Indoor Skate Park. Just a quick reminder again, November 5th and 6th, the third annual New England Am contest is going to pop off, and that's live. Um, and last, thank you to All I Need Skateboarding. Um, thank you to everybody out there for loving skateboarding. You guys are awesome. And uh, if you could check out everything uh, All I Need related at allineedskate.com. Uh, and once again, if you cop any of the apparel or decks from our online store, or even if you just cop a deck from a local skate shop, which would be amazing, Um, that all directly funnels into supporting this show and supporting skateboarding and bringing these interviews. So, um, yeah, everything's lovely. You guys are epic. Let's keep it going. Peace.